In 2016, scientists on Earth detected a fast radio burst from a distant region of space with no observable stars. The following transmissions were declassified by the scientific community and given to us to present as The Binary Saga. Log entry, Heimavina 90, 2395, Age of Enlightenment. Hey, Jason. Well, it sounds like you have the makings of a little genius there with Nasu. I'm going to need to send her more educational and enrichment toys. I'm very jealous that Nasu can sit quietly while Aaron teaches, or can listen to you tell her about your day. Sitting still is not something Nikki has mastered, as he is in constant motion, and patience is a concept that eludes him. <laughs> Nikki also has very clear opinions, and he doesn't like sweet potatoes or figs, and our kitchen wall has bore witness to his disgust. He also doesn't like deep water, like not at all. If we are all on the pool's sun deck, he's fine splashing around. But the first time Bjorn put him in a floater and waded out into the pool with him, you would have thought the water was boiling lava. Nikki just screamed until Bjorn brought him back to shallow water. We even tried taking him sailing on my mom's segment, but he just clung to me like never before. When my mom hoisted the sails and the segment leaned over, Nikki buried his face in my chest and started to quietly cry. And I held him close, and I told him that he was safe. And the girls tried to talk to Nikki, telling him that he was okay, but Nikki only held me tighter and would not let me go. My mom returned us to the dock shortly after that. According to my mom, I cried the first time she took me sailing too. Nikki is only three and will grow out of some of these fears. But for now, we're not going to force him into something that frightens him. All of this made us unsure of how he'd react to big crowds. We figured we would try and decided to bring Nikki to the House Laurelin Family Appreciation Day on the main corporate campus. Bjorn likes to hold this family event once a year for the employees and shareholders. The corporation brings in food, drinks, and there are friendly games between the divisions. It's a really fun event. House Jorgensen does something similar back in Stromsheim, and while it's not a competition, our event is better. <laughs> Bjorn usually kicks off the event on stage, thanking everyone for doing a great job. This time, Nikki freed himself from his stroller and ran across the stage towards Bjorn. Everyone started laughing and cheering, and the sound caused Nikki to notice the audience and freeze about halfway to Bjorn. I was just about to run out and grab him, fearing that he was going to have a meltdown when he shifted his stance and pointed at Bjorn and called out to the audience, That's my dad! The audience erupted in laughter, and Nikki took their cue and started the bouncing dance he does when he's happy. <laughs> Three-year-olds are completely unpredictable. <laughs> Bjorn's demeanor changed from the stoic Lord Laurelin to happy dad as he watched Nikki. Bjorn walked up to Nikki and lifted him into his arms and said into the microphone, As I was saying, today is for family. Nikki, do you want to say hey to everyone and tell them about your family? Nikki grabbed Bjorn's hand and brought the mic to his mouth and said, Hey, um, I have six sisters. <laughs> and everyone laughed. Bjorn told the audience to enjoy their day and Nikki waved. When Bjorn exited the stage, I apologized for not preventing our little monster from ruining his speech. <laughs> Bjorn laughed and said he couldn't have planned it any better. Janine told me later that Nikki's appearance really resonated with the house employees because they rarely see Bjorn's softer side. And while there are some things that Nikki doesn't like, he does like people. We like to say that Nikki has never met a stranger because he's friendly to everyone. He flashes his smile, waves from his stroller, and starts conversation with other kids. The girls had a bunch of their friends over to play in the pool, and Nikki walked right up to them and said, Hey there, I'm Nikki. Can we be friends? <laughs> when I told Bjorn's parents about this encounter, I was treated to similar little Bjorn stories. My favorite story was when Bjorn approached a girl on the playground and complimented her curls and shared his apple slices with her. And then he asked her if she wanted to come over for a play date. Bjorn 
was four years old at the time. <laughs> Nikolai quickly opened up his hand terminal and showed me vids of little Bjorn acting exactly like Nikki. Bjorn always is embarrassed when his parents do that, but I know he loves how much his son takes after him. Send Doro my congratulations. What a great career milestone to be selected as the commander of the CS4. I know you said you're not disappointed, but your position as mission operations is an equally important role. You will oversee every aspect and make quick decisions about the station and the CS4. That's a much bigger job, and you should be proud. I'm proud of you. Uncle Helgi and Jeremy have had similar roles in the past, and they will both attest that it's the best and worst position to have during operations, because if there's a failure, it's on you. But if there's a success, no one remembers who was in charge, just that it worked. But you already know that. What did you say before your first command? Oh, right. Heavy is the butt that sits the seat. <laughs> I can't believe Pei is 19. Did you know that she sent Astra the sweetest message wishing her luck on her first day at the Academy? What a thoughtful kid. Astra gets so excited when Pei sends her messages. She will talk about it for days. Speaking of, Astra is now a first-year student at the Planetary and Environmental Science Academy in Hapnina. When we dropped her off, I was a mess. As you can imagine, Astra was completely embarrassed by me. It was fun to walk the corridors again and remember what it was like to be a student there. The Academy built all new dorms, which is good. Hopefully, they won't be as cold as the old ones. Remember how I used to send you vid messages wrapped in blankets? <laughs> Galen, the eldest son of Shauna and Jeff, my university friends who own the Dockside Brewery in Stromsheim, also started at the Academy this year. Both of our kids were excited to already have a friend at school. Galen and Astra are besties. And when he and his brother Donovan come over to play at the estate with the girls, Galen and Astra are inseparable. He even brought her flowers to brighten up her dorm. I think they're adorable. But Bjorn says he has one eye on Galen because he remembers being his age. And I told him that Galen is 12. And Bjorn's response was, Not for long. <laughs> the twins were briefly jealous that Astra was going away to school for the next five years. But once they saw how small the dorms were, they said they were quite happy to stay at Calamar Prep. Plus, since all the Laurelins went to Calamar, the twins like having that in common with Bjorn's family. Well, before taking Astra to the Academy, we decided to have a big family vacation. We headed up to Sonnet and Erico's chalet in the Yarva Mountains. Rin and Inez even brought their significant others. Rin is dating Thane Rolana, Leif's youngest grandson. Thane is a master sommelier and takes after his jovial grandfather. We all immediately liked him. Inez is dating a nice guy for a change. After her latest grisly breakup, Inez begrudgingly allowed Mari and Kai to set her up on a blind date with their next-door neighbor, Yannick. Yannick is cool and owns a shuttle mechanic shop in Talina. And as Mari and Kai expected, they hit it off right away. The first night was good. We ate, drank, and we watched the guys practically trip over each other trying to impress Bjorn. Thane brought a keg of an amazing farmhouse ale and several cases of the best vin from Ghana. Yannick sealed the win when he pulled out several growlers of his own home-brewed lagers. The rest of the evening, Yannick, Bjorn, my dad, and Thane stood in the kitchen discussing yeast profiles, their favorite brewing equipment, and which Bjorn goes best with which meal. <laughs> the following day, Bjorn tried to maintain his cool dad status by teaching the girls how to snowboard. I should mention that Bjorn hasn't been snowboarding since Janine was Astra's age. Everyone else went off to the more advanced runs, while Bjorn and the girls went to the beginner slope. The girls were adorable in their gear, and I attached a bunch of vids of all of them on their boards, gliding down the rut. After watching them do a few runs, Janine and I were taking the boys inside the lodge to warm up, when I heard Callista yell out, Mom! I turned to see Astra and Ragna kneeling over Bjorn, 
who was cradling his arm to his chest. Janine stayed with the boys and called for the emergency services on her hand terminal as I ran up the icy slope. When I got to Bjorn, I almost passed out at the sight of his wrist limply turned the wrong way. The mountain's emergency medics arrived quickly and stuck a nerve blocker at the base of his neck to deaden the pain as we rode to the medical facilities where Bjorn was rushed back into a treatment room. Nerve blockers are these little metal tabs that medics attach to your skin. They work very quickly and leave you feeling a little loopy. I briefly spoke to Janine, who was taking the kids back to the chalet, when I was called back to Bjorn's room. The nurse who escorted me explained that Bjorn suffered a compound fracture and required bone welding and a minor skin graft. It sounded frightening. She reassured me that he hadn't felt a thing, but noted that the bone welding left an odor that most people find unpleasant. I always forget the leaps in a lithium advancement when injuries like that happen. We found Bjorn sitting with his eyes closed, and he had a medical cuff on his bicep and a light bandage on his wrist. The nurse was not wrong. The room smelled acrid, like burnt house dust and hot metal. She told me they would release him as soon as the cuff administered the last of the antibiotics. And I sat next to him, and I held his other hand. And Bjorn opened his eyes and said, You know, you were right. I should have just let Rune teach the girls. <laughs> the nurse walked in while we were kissing, and she coughed to get our attention and told Bjorn to take it easy for the next couple of days before returning to the slopes. <laughs> Back at the chalet, Bjorn reassured the girls that he was fine, and the rest of the weekend, Bjorn enjoyed sitting by the fire and was waited on by all of his daughters. Nikki and Marcus loved it because they sat with him as he read to them, and the three of them took naps together. <laughs> At the end of the weekend, my parents took our little kids back to their vacation home for the week. And Bjorn and I hadn't had a vacation since Nikki was born, so it was nice to have the week off. We turned off our alarm clocks and work terminals, and we ordered food the kids hated, and we skinny dipped in the spa, and even one night we fell asleep in front of the fireplace under a pile of blankets. <laughs> it was great. But after a couple days, we started to miss the kids. Isn't that funny? <laughs> when I messaged my mom to check in, she messaged me back. No news is good news. They are fine. Now, go spend some time with that gorgeous husband of yours and make me another grandbaby. <laughs> mom. We did eventually leave the house for Alondra to attend the Apex Museum Gala. The Apex Gala is an invitation-only fundraiser for the museum. Aside from donors, like myself, the usual attendees are vid actors, fashion models, musicians, you know the type. This year, the theme for the event was Dreams of Vela. My stylist worked with Mahora, a Vela designer out of CNR, to create a gown for me. The dress was an asymmetrical, one-shoulder, formal gown made from a beautiful ombre fabric from Vela that shifted from bright amber at the shoulder to a deep purple down the train. Mohora said that she wanted to mimic CNR's vibrant sunsets while showing off the hoofloor on my back. It was by far the most beautiful gown I have ever worn. And the highlight accessory was the ring you gave me. The museum told the press that I was allowed to wear the ring for the event, and I played along with their ruse. Bjorn wore a formal suit, and a top coat with the same ombre material on the inside. And he looked even more handsome than usual. I have not attended anything like this since that film premiere Andy and I went to decades ago. And Bjorn and I may be house members, but we don't make the covers of gossip broadsheets. So I was expecting the press to ignore us as we walked the museum steps. But when Bjorn stepped out of the vehicle, the crowd on the rope line cheered. And my husband, being himself, flashed his perfect grin and bowed, and then turned and put his hand out for me. As I stepped out of the vehicle, I was practically blinded by flashes. Arm in arm with Bjorn, we ascended the steps, and we stopped several times for the press to take our pictures, and reporters interviewed me on Mahora's amazing work. According to the fashion magazines, we understood the assignment, <laughs> and Bjorn and I made the best dressed list. 
The picture of us that made the official gala photos was of me posing by myself with the rope line and press in the background. But the shot is focused on Bjorn beaming at me with love. I have hurt his heart, and I know he loves me. But seeing his face candidly captured by a stranger completely warmed my soul. The event was fun because our table was just other members of the Von Lutboog, and we enjoyed judging the actual famous people's interpretation of the theme. There were some very odd fashion choices, but the real conversation we had was about Helena and Grandma Vera's subtle political squabble. Helena is still making her rounds, and Octavia and Kristen, who know her best, think Helena is about to make a move, though none of us have any idea what she plans to do. I would love to say that the Empire's politics are as idealistic as they are on Vela. Most politicians at least pay lip service to noble intentions. But our innate drive for conquest and power eventually takes over. We cannot help ourselves. The old families and house corporations are perfect examples. In the very ancient Haimavala Prime, when Mana traveled by sea, houses were old kingdoms. The surviving house's power comes from generational wealth and they have evolved from kingdoms to pillars of industry. And that power comes with a responsibility to our communities, which we do. But if I'm completely honest, it's not always altruistic. Even Oli Hoffman, who truly cares for the people of Iran, still trades on his ancient family name and flexes his power just like Helena. In fact, the last house summit just wrapped up back on Haimavina and was held on the ancient grounds in Hartstead. For the summit, the Stoffelsten was returned to its original place at the center of the ruined circular building. Olga Yalin served as house arbiter and used her opening remarks to remind everyone that we stood on sacred ground. Even Grandma Iria, who usually scoffs at the rituals, was moved by the setting and the banners lining the ruins. Of course, that didn't stop the drama and power plays among the other house members. Like I said, we cannot help ourselves. It's just who we are. At least my family wasn't the target this time. The family is very excited to learn that your mom was selected for the ambassador position. Grandma Vera said, given your mom's official status as an ambassador, Hoxa and the Samcoma have decided that she will travel from Tanga Station aboard a Hoxa executive spacecraft instead of a fleet ship. You remember what I said about fleet accommodations. Trust me, this is the way to travel. Vera said that the tentative schedule is packed with official meetings and ceremonies at the Samcoma in Hopnina. Vera also said there are plenty of downtime for your mom to spend time with the family. This is a good thing, because my mom is already making reservations everywhere. Vera had to remind my mom that it wasn't that kind of visit. <laughs> As you can imagine, Grandma Iria wants your mom to stay at her and Grandpa Lars's flat. However, all dignitaries stay at the Admiral Hotel in Hapnina, as there is an infrastructure to handle security and proper accommodations. During the Empire trade talks, Andy and Raytheus stayed there, and it's a really lovely hotel. Your mom will also arrive during summer. It will still feel very cold by Velen standards, but winter would be infinitely worse. I'm sorry that you won't be able to join her. That would have been fun. Next trip. Give kisses to my niece and hugs to Aaron. Love, CJ. 861. Log entry, Bella 91. Bella Rotat 2715, cycle 12 of the 9th Anul. Hey there, Siege. It would appear that you are going to have your webs full for the next Rotat or so. I would like to apologize for the event that is going to happen soon to Haimavina. Please let Vera know that the Velen Council cannot be held responsible for what is heading towards your planet and will most likely be wreaking havoc for the next three annuals that will follow its arrival. Of course, I'm kidding about the unstoppable force that is my mother, who left a few annuals ago to head to Haimavina as the first ambassador of Vela to step foot on Haimavinan soil. The vessel carrying the ambassador and her entourage left here for Tanga Station. It's not a huge team of people, but with Mom at the center of it, I'm sure that it's going to seem like a lot. Even at her age, she is sharp as a towel 
and do not let that cane she is using fool you. She passed all her physicals for long-term space travel, and she is more fit than some of our pilots. At least, that's how she will always appear to me. There was a huge celebration as they boarded the shuttle, and the whole event was televised and protested, as expected. This is getting even more coverage than the first contact at Tenga ever got, since this will be the initial visit to another populated world. Mom, of course, is just soaking all of the attention up, and gave about 30 different speeches at different events leading up to the takeoff of the shuttle. Just before stepping onto the loading ramp, she turned to the cameras, leaned down on her cane, and said, When I was a young girl, like many of you, I spoke with friends on Haimavina. We were always two separate people living life at two rotat intervals. I have watched my friends grow up from afar as they have watched us grow old and pass. This cycle, that changes. As I leave to venture off to Haimavina, I take Vela with me. I will be your example of love and friendship. We will not have to wait for so long to experience our lives together. I am your stream, your connection, and I promise you that I will not be the only one, just the first. From now on, we will all not just be a neighbor to our friends on Haimavina. We will be, as they say, family. Siege, I kid you not, the cameras cut to the crowd that was there in person, and there were people flooding left and right. Many of them holding up photos of Haimavinan friends with messages of peace and love. It was quite the event. Of course, since it was a media spectacle, they also cut over to where some of the protesters were holding up signs like, Vela first, Haimavina worst, or something to that nature. It was a mess on that side of the lines. Thankfully, the crowd they had gathered in support made the rest seem like a small basement gathering. The reporters had mentioned that while many of the protesters were shouting and insisting that our relations with Haimavina be severed, none of them presented any danger or appeared hostile. I think they just wanted to express their opinions on the subject and feel like their voices were heard. Which, if they even took a moment to think about it, is what this mission is actually about making sure that Vela's voice is heard. I don't think there is anyone better suited to bring that message to Haimavina than my mom. I was watching from the side of the ramp and got to see her as she stepped off the platform. She looked over to me and asked, Too much? And I smiled and told her it was very much a her speech. We hugged and she kissed the top of my head and said, Be good while I'm gone. Don't forget to eat a salad once in a while and make sure that Nasu doesn't get any bigger while I'm gone. Then she stepped through the hatch, and we were all ushered away so that they could launch the shuttle that would meet up with the TC craft that would take her to Tanga. I headed back down to the VSA control room and met with Aaron and Nasu there. Everyone came out to see Mom off, and we had some great seats in the mission operations room to watch the shuttle leave and dock with the TC-17 for the transfer. Most of what we were doing was just for show with all the media coverage. The TC craft have been running normally for Rotats now, and barely even need mission control for any of them since it's all routine. The VSA wanted to showcase the whole trip, though, so every station in the room was occupied, and everyone looked busy. I think I may have even seen one of the navigation consoles up with something that looked like Jump Space Adventures 3, which is one of AE's latest titles. I doubt anyone would have even noticed it since the screens look like something that would normally appear on a mission console. The shuttle docked and a familiar voice came over the comms saying that the Urosa was aboard and TC-17 was now being redesignated as Urosa-1. I looked at Aaron with a quizzical eye and she just smiled and said, Oh look, is that the new SI interface? Nasu blurted out, Is that Uncle Javi? Can he hear us? Hi, Uncle Javi! Yep. Javi had apparently scored the pilot seat on the ambassador trip. Aaron turned back and told me that Javi had wanted to keep it a secret. They turned me down because of Ori being my mother. They didn't want two generations of a Velen school on the same vessel, in case something were to happen or some bureaucratic explanation. 
It was at that moment that I got a ding on my hand term from Javi. It said, I guess the Saka's out of the toss now. Sorry, man. I knew they weren't going to let you go, so I made sure that if anyone was going to fly our mom to Haimavina, it was going to be one of us. I will make sure that she is safe. See you soon, brother. He was right, and the jealousy ran out of me quickly. If I couldn't be there, I was glad that he would be. Besides, from what I hear, the mission is only to Tanga. After Mom gets there, the entire ambassador group will be transferring to a Haxacraft for the rest of the trip. The TC-17 is to remain at Tanga until her return. So really, it's going to be a boring assignment for him. Tanga is nice and all, and sure, he can hang out for a few anuls playing in the lounge there, but they'll probably have him just running patrols along the border, looking for more rogue ECAL pilots, or doing more investigative runs. It's probably better that it's him and not me. That leaves me here to work on things that actually matter. Not that potentially visiting Haimavina doesn't matter, but working on the means to do that visit in a more timely fashion does. That's right, we are just about ready for the CS4 mission. Joru has been working nonstop on getting her team selected, and if I thought I had the best people on the Pramuka, which I did, it's still impressive that she has managed to gather so much talent for her mission. Get this, while she is not actually going on the mission to test the CS4, Pei has actually been recruited as a junior navigation analyst working on the shuttles running to and from the main craft. So as Joru is doing all of the on-site visits, Pei is one of the crew helping her do it. They are scheduled to deploy the full capability in a few annuals from now, and everyone is insanely excited about it, especially Navi and her team. You see, as we've been getting closer to our go-live date, there has been an increase in infiltration attempts to the CS4 systems. Navi's team have actually developed a number of decoy devices around the system with the same drive signatures and system makeup as the CS4. Each one of them has had anomalous signals sent to them in an effort to shut them down. Each time that happens, the team is closer to triangulating the source. It's definitely coming from somewhere just past key, but space is big, like really big, and they are still having trouble finding out where. Each of the decoys, and even the CS4 itself, are completely unaffected by the rogue signals, and that tells us that the shielding and the SI upgrades are holding. What that means is that everything is going as expected and we should see a successful test of the system. This also means that in a few more renewals, we will have a vessel that is capable of making inter-system and extra-system jumps in a matter of cycles instead of renewals or even rotats. Naturally, everyone here is extremely nervous about everything attached to this program. I have had a number of sit-downs with Joru on what to expect and how to prepare for the unexpected. I told her that if on the super rare and totally not going to happen chance that something goes sideways to keep us all in her heart and to know that no one here would give up on her. That's how I made it through my ordeal, focusing on the ones that you love and knowing that they are out there still believing in you. Speaking of the ones you love, how is Bjorn holding up after his injury? Did they make him wear a bandage for a full quarter tide? Or was he able to take it off after only a few moments? Seriously, your medical procedures there make me so jealous. While we have made some significant advances here, it's still nothing compared to what they have in the Alithian system. Imagine if I had my CS1 crash there instead of here. I probably would have been in and out in a cycle with all of my bones being replaced with some super strong metal so that they never break again. If that were the case, I would totally be back on a board doing that boarding thing that Bjorn was doing in the snow. From what I remember of your early experiences, it's like the surfing that we do here on the waves, but on snow. Whatever you do, do not mention it to Javi's brother. Either way, I'm glad that Bjorn wasn't seriously hurt. It would appear that Nasu and Nikki are becoming extreme opposites in how their personalities are developing. Where Nikki may love being at the center of things, Nasu is more of a quiet observer. She will sit with us at the tea shop and just watch people. Every now and then we will see her gesture like someone she was watching or attempt to say a line that she heard from another table. 
but always quietly, like she's practicing it. Erin calls her our little sea sponge, as she is just soaking up the world around her. I can only imagine the processing that is going on in that little head as she assimilates all of the knowledge that she is taking in. I'm glad to hear that Nicky is coming into his own more. I can totally see him being a cross between you and Bjorn. You, for all the attention that you seem to gather to you just by virtue of being who you are and what you do. And Bjorn, for how much he actually loves that attention. At least in the public eye. Have you posed the idea to Nikki about him becoming a vid star? I could totally see him acting out some dramatic scenes. Ooh, if they ever make a movie about the two of us, he can play me in it. Star-crossed people who care for each other, but the fates have deemed that they will never meet, so they have to find their own paths with others of their kind. Ooh, that gave me chills. Anyways, I'm glad to hear that Pei has been messaging Astra. I know that she had mentioned it early on, and given her schedule with the CS4 support, I'm sure that it's intermittent. But I'm sure that she will be happy to know that the messages are well received. I bet that the next one will be full of all of the incredible adventures of a navigational theory and computational science. I kid, of course. Without all that math speak, I wouldn't be doing what I do on a regular basis. That, and when I made that joke to Aaron, she punched me in the arm. Math people can be touchy at times. Please let Astra know that Pei isn't the only one that's proud of her. I am sure that she will be taking the academy by storm and running the place in no time. They let students run classes there, right? No? Well, if anyone would be the first, I'm sure it would be Astra. Hopefully Mom's visit won't throw too much of a kink into Helena's plans or Vera's efforts to curtail those plans. I know you said they don't know what they may be, but are there any theories? There must be. Kai alone has come up with like three or four different theories for the anomaly in the Vela system. Surely there are some floating around about Helena. Let's try. This is always a fun game. She wants to extend her presence in the Samcoma to become the supreme ruler of the galaxy, and nothing but Vela stands in her way of that domination. Ooh, or how about Helena is trying to build a planet-based weapon that can destroy worlds. Nah, that seems too contrived. Ooh, I know. She plans on starting up a new religion with her as the single deity, and that worship of her would allow everyone into a special kingdom where all of their wishes come true. Regardless of what her plans are, I have belief in Vera that she has at least Haimavina's best interest at heart, and that she will do what she can to thwart Helena's dastardly plot. Granted, I have not really had any interaction with Vera. I can only base my knowledge on what you and Mom have told me. She strikes me as someone who cares deeply for her people and can see through the facade that others present in order to get what they want. Maybe that's why she and Mom get along so well together. They see the people who are out there for themselves at the expense of others and call them on it. I will thank you to not bring up that film premiere ever again, as it only reminds me that you made me watch that horrific vid. Then, of course, I made Javi watch it, which means I had to watch it twice. I'm glad that you had a better experience this time, though. I am not sure if, as a Velen, I should feel honored or intrigued at the idea of a gala based around Velen fashion. After seeing the photos that you sent, I would have to agree that you and Bjorn really nailed the theme. I could see a dress like that being worn to some of the fancier parties here. Some of the others? Mm, I don't think some of them have ever heard of Vela. Do they know that there really isn't anything that has fur here, right? I think I saw some very fuzzy outfits in some of the pictures. With mom being gone, we have decided to bring our nanny, Isla, in on a more full-time basis. She has lost a few other customers due to them aging out of needing her care, so she had some extra time. She loves Nasu, so it was pretty easy to get her to agree to the new arrangement. Usually, she will be at the house while Aaron and I are working and Nasu isn't in her pre-classes. And then on occasion, when Aaron and I need to go out for some much-needed alone time, Isla would swim by. Even though it's not a part of the deal we have with her, there are many times that when we come home, the whole place is spotless and, best of all, all of my plants are watered. She managed to work on an arrangement with Kessa and Jonah 
to watch Penta as well. It's actually a lot easier since they live so close, and the girls are much better behaved when they are around each other. Jonah has been traveling a lot as he is a facilities manager for one of the manufacturing plants that contracts with the VSA. Since they have been ramping up a lot of production, he has to travel to visit the plants in different cities. It's usually only for a few cycles at a time, but I know that Kessa, who has picked up a job at the university where Aaron teaches, likes having Isla around to help while he's gone. Well, I hope that you have a grand time while mom is visiting. Please give her a hug for me and tell her that we can't wait for her to get back so she could attend Nasu's Academy graduation, because it feels like she's been gone for that long. I am sure she will lavish all of the kids with gifts and love when she sees them. Just know that I helped pick out some of those gifts. May the waves guide you. Jason, 61. Log entry, Haimavina 91. 2396, Age of Enlightenment. Hey, Jason. Well, your mom returned to Vela a couple months ago. Hopefully by the time you receive my message, she will be home with what I can only imagine is a container vehicle filled of gifts for you all. Media coverage portrayed her visit as blessed by Mother Linnea, because the night prior to her arrival, Hopnina experienced pretty severe thunderstorms. The following morning, the skies were crystal clear, and warm breezes made a perfect day for her arrival. My family and I watched her shuttle land via vid screens from the special waiting area at the Samcoma, as we were attending the official welcome ceremonies. The reporters on the ground did their best to convey the gravity of the historical moment. I think everyone in the Mana Empire held their breath as the automatic jetway attached to the shuttle. The first people off the shuttle were two echelons of fleet and Velen security officers, who promptly stood at attention on the ramp. And then we saw a cane touch the jetway, and your mom stepped off the shuttle in a sharp blue suit and coat. And she stood there for a minute, with her eyes closed, breathing deeply. And then she tapped her cane on the jetway and walked purposely to the waiting motorcade. The choice of ground transport struck me as odd, until I remembered that Hopnina doesn't allow shuttle flights within city limits. Back at the Samcoma, advanced teams rushed to get us all in place around the edges of the Samcoma entrance gallery. Those present included my family, senior members of the Samcoma, Hoxa leadership, a gaggle of staffers, and an obscene amount of press. The Samcoma entrance gallery is an impressive space with ceilings that are nearly as tall as the Samcoma building itself. The stone walls are carved with runes of the three continents and hung with banners of all the old families that survived the Citizonda. Two grand staircases provide access to the offices, conference facilities, the library, and upper viewing galleries. To the rear of the space, a grand hallway leads into the Samcoma Rotunda, and then down to the legislative floor. Claire Fithian, the Minister of Diplomacy, Speaker Helena Uklin, and my grandmother Vera, in her role as Senior Minister of Haimavina, were the last to arrive. Shortly after they took their places, the doors opened, and we could hear the crowd cheering outside. People closest to the doors applauded as your mom entered the gallery. She paused briefly in the entrance and smiled, and then bowed her head towards Vera, Helena, and Claire, who all returned the gesture. Then your mom walked directly to Vera, and they clasped arms. There was a little laugh between them, as they both stopped and hugged instead. As the three of them chatted and posed for several pictures, I watched Vera lean down and whisper something to your mom. Your mom slowly turned, and I watched her recognize Grandma Iria for the first time. She immediately covered her mouth and started to flood. The gallery became a sea of flash photography and even louder applause as everyone watched them embrace. Grandpa Lars, my mom, and Uncle Helgi soon joined them, and there was not a dry eye in the gallery. When the greeting ceremony was over, your mom and her team were met by Vera's chief of staff, and the Samcoma advance team in preparation for the main event. Everyone else was instructed to take our seats, and my family ascended up to one of the stairwells to the house seating area. A short while later, your mom entered the great rotunda to a standing ovation, 
followed by Helena, Vera, and Claire. From the central dais, each woman gave a short address about the friendship that Mana and Velens have shared over the last couple centuries, and their enthusiasm for further strives in diplomacy between both races. After the ceremony, your mom and several senior members of the Samcoma, diplomats, and other planetary senior ministers met for lunch in the old matriarch's private dining room. Oli told us later that after the initial pleasantries, everyone soon fell into their favorite topic, talking about their children and grandkids. I guess your mom was quick to pull out many pictures of Nasu and gushed about her intelligence. My family met up with your mom in private later at her suite at the Admiral Hotel. We spent a long time just hugging and flooding with happiness. And when your mom greeted me, she held my face and called me her little snowflake. Kai and I introduced her to all of our kids, who greeted her in Velen, which seemed to warm her heart. Nikki, who was four, made your mom laugh when he bluntly asked, How did a Fiska learn to talk? <laughs> in the stunned silence that followed, Nikki realized that everyone was mortified and quickly hid behind Bjorn. Your mom crouched down so she was at eye level with him and told him that she was very happy to meet him. Bjorn tousled Nikki's hair, and then Marcus walked over and stood next to Nikki. And your mom grinned and said, And you must be Marcus. Upon hearing his name, Marcus smiled and showed off his adorable dimples, but then got embarrassed and ran back to Janine. <laughs> Nikki, who seemed to realize that your mom was family, and said, That's my nephew, but... But, but then I told my mommy I wanted a baby brother, or a farhun, but my dad is allergic. Did, did you know I look like my dad? He's always kissing my mommy. One time, I found them. Before Nikki could continue his story, Bjorn quickly picked him up and said, Okay, buddy, uh, let's uh, let your Aunt Ori meet everyone else, okay? Your mom bust out laughing. She agreed with you that Nikki and Nasu are definitely opposites. <laughs> and then we all got an extra surprise when a knock on the door turned out to be Javi. Mari immediately ran up to him with her arms in the air, and Javi grabbed her face and gave her a kiss. Kai joined them, and everyone laughed when Javi planted a kiss on him, too. <laughs> and then we all watched Javi's face break into a huge smile as he noticed Mari's round pregnancy belly and quickly congratulated them both. The three of them all hugged. <laughs> it was so cute. When we left your mom to get some rest from her very long day, Javi escorted us out to the lobby. He told us that he wasn't even supposed to be on the trip. He said he was in Tangan Station's hangar bay and going through his arrival checklist after your mom and her team departed on their shuttle for the Hoxa spacecraft. Admiral Sven Farrell was boarding his shuttle when he recognized Javi and asked him if he was joining them. Javi explained, like you mentioned, that he was assigned to shuttle duty while he waited for the delegation's return. Sven said, Well, do you want to come to Haimavina instead? Get your gear, and I'll call the station director and tell him you're coming with us. After Javi boarded the Hoxa spacecraft, apparently your mom's chief of staff pulled him aside and explained to him that each member of the delegation earned their spots, and that none of them cared what political connections got him on the trip, and since he was there, he was going to work. Javi agreed, and during the three-hour interstellar flight to Haimavina, the chief of staff briefed him on his new duties. Unfortunately for Javi, that meant fetching a lot of café, carrying things, and doing whatever menial task they assigned him. The Ministry of Diplomacy tried to overpack your mom's schedule, but apparently she told him that she was an old woman who wanted some downtime with her family, which was great for us. Along with lots of meetings, your mom and her team toured the ancient library, the Samcoma, museums, and other tourist attractions. With our family, your mom visited the marina bar where Helgi and Juniper got married, enjoyed a weekend at Brecken's famous hot springs, went sailing on my mom's segment, got to see the sealure sunbathing on Helgi and Juniper's dock, and even attended a Satis concert 
where she got dragged on stage to sing with my mom. I attached the vid from the concert. It was wild. Your mom's first son and dog brunch was held at my parents' house. She arrived early to help my grandparents prepare the meal. When we arrived with our little brood of munchkins, your mom was sitting on a sofa in the great room, talking with my parents. My grandparents' farhoon, Cyrus, was sprawled across her lap, soaking up the belly rubs your mom gave him. Brunch was filled with old stories, talk of food, and embarrassing Kai and I. Your mom's presence was so normal. It felt like she was having brunch with us her whole life. A couple weeks later, your mom attended a state dinner hosted by Coram Servaris, Prime Minister of Lulea. Because House Jorgensen is a fixture in Lulea politics, and a large financial supporter of Coram's, my parents and Bjorn and I also received invitations. At dinner, Coram toasted your mom and proudly announced that the meal had been catered by a popular restaurant that claimed to serve authentic Velen cuisine. Servers appeared with the first course, which was a kelp souffle. Your mom smiled, and everyone waited as she took her first taste, which she remarked was lovely. Each course was presented, and everyone waited for your mom's reaction before starting. Pretty soon, Bjorn and I began to suspect that your mom was not enjoying the meal and was forcing herself to eat while politely claiming that she wanted to pace herself so she could try everything. The final course was personally served by the chef, who went on at some length about his culinary process. Your mom listened attentively, tried the dish, and said to him, My dear, your meal makes me long for home. Everyone applauded, and the chef bowed deeply in gratitude. And Bjorn and I quietly chuckled to ourselves. <laughs> your mom confessed later that it was the worst meal she had ever had. <laughs> your mom also experienced an old family gala, which was hosted by House Jorgensen. We haven't hosted a gala in a few years, so we decided to give your mom the full experience and held the event at the Vicksburg Castle. The majority of the event was actually held in an enormous tent on the castle lawn, but the cocktail hour was held in Empress Hera's throne hall. When your mom was announced, she looked amazing in a shimmering white gown with long sleeves and a high collar. As she walked in the hall, I could tell that she was loving every moment. I actually had to work that evening, but every time I caught a glimpse of your mom, she was laughing, talking with people, and enjoying the evening. Once the dancing began, she dragged Helgi onto the dance floor, and even with a cane, your mom seriously got her groove on. <laughs> a few weeks after that, she got to attend a mana wedding. Bjorn's daughter Rin married Thane Rolana at the ancestral Rolana Vineyard up in the Napua Valley, which has recovered well since the ice retreated. It was beautiful, and Bjorn was his usual happy mess as he watched his daughter atone her vows. During the traditional ceremony, Nikki sat quietly in Bjorn's lap, which was a feat in itself. He covered his eyes when they cut their hands, but as soon as the ceremony ended, he ran right up to Rin and Thane to give them hugs. Thane is close to Rin's age, but we learned that his siblings are several decades older than him. Like Nikki, he was an unplanned but pleasant surprise. <laughs> we also learned that Thane's father is from Viron, and we've actually met them for dinner a few times when they came to visit Thane and Rin. Thane was just offered a job at a new Antremere-rated restaurant in Tallina as their in-house sommelier. Thane and Rin are just adorable, and we are so happy for them. And not so secretly, we are hoping for some good news soon. <laughs> Thane is a member of House Rolana, but neither he nor his mom are in the line of secession. House Rolana is a huge family. Salusa, the head of House Rolana, is the eldest of seven kids. She and her siblings had at least four children, and their children had nearly as many kids. Salusa Sion, an eldest child, as you know, is Leif. Thane is the youngest child of Leif's third daughter. Confused yet? You should have seen your mom's face when I was explaining who everyone was at the reception. I introduced your mom to Leaf and his wife, and Leaf was his usual charming self and made your mom laugh several times. 
They all chatted about grandkids and Vin, and he promised to make sure a case of their special reserve made it back to Vela with her. Your mom was so funny and responded, Oh, Leif, I couldn't possibly accept two cases. <laughs> Leif grinned and said, Two cases indeed, Madam Ambassador. <laughs> As I've mentioned before, the Rolanas are one of the few surviving houses from Haimavala Prime and also run the Empire's largest agricultural corporation from Ghanima. Aside from pleasantries at house summits, I rarely cross paths with Salusa. I do know that she follows the house rules and rights to the letter. In fact, she was one of the head of houses who did not stand during my shampa with Bella Lind. Not because she agreed with her fellow Ghanamian, but because she felt I was too lenient on Bella's crimes. <laughs> Leaf briefly introduced her to your mom, but we didn't get a chance to really talk to her as she was running around making sure everyone was having a good time. Sadly, Javi missed a lot of these events because he was stuck working back at the hotel with the delegation. I know that Mari and Kai were bummed too, but even if he had been free, they were quite busy as Mari gave birth to their daughter soon after your mom arrived. Javi and your mom did get to meet Eleonora Cordelia Newspark, who we call Ellie, and I've attached a bunch of pictures of them holding her. I have to admit, Mari and my brother make some really adorable kids. <laughs> When your mom and her delegation were in Stromsheim, she and I conspired to help out her hardworking aide get a much-earned day off. I picked up Javi from the hotel and took him to the House Jorgensen corporate campus, where I gave him a quick tour and left him in the hands of the vice president of our gaming division. Javi got to hang out with some of the game designers and play several new games in our virtual testing room. Afterwards, I brought him to the Stromheim Harbor where Max was happy to take him sailing with Team Lulea on their high-performance foiling segments. After that, they took him to a Fulpolta game at the Hyperion Stadium. Bjorn and I met up with them later at the Volley Bar, where Javi and the team were doing Millie Malika shots and singing drunken sailor songs. <laughs> the last big event before your mom's departure was Midsummer. We had a family party at the estate for your mom, her delegation, and the security staff. When your mom arrived, the girls placed a flower crown on her head and dragged her outside on the lawn. The girls decorated the back patio with tons of flower garlands and long ribbons and big paper flowers. They were so excited to teach everyone some of our traditional dances. Of course, there were shots of akavit and lots of food, which your mom promised she did like. <laughs> when it was time for games, the kids enjoyed hitting colored paper mache spheres with sticks. Once the hollow spheres broke, the kids were showered with the sweets that were hidden inside. Of course, it only took about 10 minutes before I had to take the sticks away from the boys because they started to hit each other with them. <laughs> kids. <laughs> Aside from the four-year-old impromptu combat session, it was fun, and her team seemed to really enjoy themselves that evening. All in all, I think your mom enjoyed her three-month trip and summer on Haimavina was close to ideal weather for a Velen. Sadly, she missed a few places on her list, like the Black Sand Beaches in Tristown, the Twin Sisters Base Camp, and the House Noose Park headquarters. There was only so much time. However, she departed through Jisso's Space Complex, and the press took numerous photos of her by the plaques inside the terminal honoring her father. Her departure left us feeling like something was missing and even my grandparents Farhum moped around looking for her. I hope she had a good time, because we really enjoyed having her here, and we miss her dearly. A couple weeks after your mom's departure, the conclave of the Empire Five met in Stromsheim. Hyperion Stadium was converted into a massive conference facility to accommodate the delegations. It was much the same as the last one I attended about a decade ago, with pledges about increasing resources throughout the systems, bolstering trade finance, and expanding defense industry spending. The rest was the standard same old bloviating from Minister Mortensen. Well, it sounds like your progress on the CS4 is running right on schedule. I'm crossing my thumbs for you and your team, and looking forward to hearing about all the success. It's great to hear that Pei is also working on the team. Good for her. 
At a recent Von Lichtbuch, Sven mentioned that the fleet was finally expanding their presence at Husavik Fleet Base in eastern Lulea. The base cost the Lulean government a ton of money, and until recently has only been used for fleet officers completing their reserve duty. Because of this, houses Jorgensen and Laurelin won a bunch of no-bid technology contracts to support the fleet's expansion. Now, aside from seeing Hawks' spacecraft glide across the night sky, we occasionally get to see fleet spacecraft. Nikki can spend hours laying on the lawn watching them in the sky. He loves to tell me about who he thinks is flying the ship and what they're doing. One notable day, Aunt Juniper called and told me to take Nikki out to the Stromheim waterfront that evening because the Guardian squadrons had arrived and their flight path took them over the harbor. When the stilettos broke the atmosphere and shot over the harbor, Nikki was silent and stood there with his mouth open. Talina hosts Fleet Week next month, and we're excited to take Nikki. In fact, it's all he's been talking about since seeing the advertisements around town. As for the girls, when we picked up Astra from the academy for her holiday break, I almost didn't recognize my baby as she ran up to hug me. Even though we get vid message from her every week, I wasn't expecting her to be taller than me just yet. Astra has gotten homesick a few times, but she says she loves it. No, she's not teaching any classes, but she did receive the highest grades in her class and started taking second-year courses by the end of her third quarter. We are so proud of her. And I told her that she was just like Andy, who graduated from Brencar Prep a year early. And she put her arm around me and said, I don't know about that. I think I'm more like my mom. I heard she was pretty smart, too. <laughs> Clearly, she has learned flattery from Bjorn. <laughs> Calamar Prep is on a similar quarter system, so the twins' school breaks match Astra's, which is great. Calamar Prep also has reciprocity with the Seraphim Academy on Yasna and Stromheim's Orthol School of Science and Technology, where my dad attended. When we're in Stromsheim, the twins take their courses there, which they love. There are also plenty of virtual reality learning for students who cannot attend in person. It's pretty incredible. Plus, the academic curriculum for all three schools is so rich, it makes me want to return to school. I can't believe I'm going to admit this, but I do regret sending Astra to the Academy. The Academy has completely overhauled their academic curriculum to match the Lithian educational standards, but the mandatory living in the dorms and some of their guidance really shows how far behind us Haimavinas still are. <laughs> I bet Andy is probably laughing somewhere, hearing me agree with him. <laughs> Nikki also started school this past year, and he was so excited on his first day that when we walked him to school, he gave us brief hugs and then ran inside. He didn't even turn back to wave at us. Bjorn and I were totally crushed. We both stood there like, well, I guess, bye kiddo. <laughs> Nikki absolutely loves school and is quite the popular kid, as he seems to have a play date twice a week. Well, tell your mom when you see her that we all miss her. And tell Javi that the Volleybar has created a drink in his name. <laughs> Thanks again for all of the gifts. And give kisses to my niece and hugs to Aaron. Love, CJ, age 62. You've been listening to an episode of Binary Saga. The part of CJ is played by Vanessa Shannon Anderson. The part of Jason has been played by Steve Petricelli. Music by Eric Matias and soundimage.org. Thank you to our Patreon members, Rob and Mary Carnahan, Samantha, and Dr. Layla. If you like what we're doing, please consider visiting our Patreon page, which can be found in the Where to Find Us menu on our website. We have multiple levels of support, with a lot of fun special features like transcripts and photos. Or if you just want to donate to our Café, Bjor, or Sidris funds, it's always appreciated. You can find us on Twitter and Facebook with at the Binary Saga. Want to ask us questions? You can join us on Discord for open chat. Find all of these links and more information at BinarySaga.com. You can also read the print versions of the entire first and second season 
in Kindle or paperback on Amazon. These versions include a number of extra stories and background information. Just search for The Binary Saga.